Welcome to another episode of The Root of All Business. This is your host, Chaz Bear, and today's guest is Alexis Gladstone. She's the founder of Interled, a Chicago-based consulting practice dedicated to aligning people strategies and uh, business results. They build programs which help their clients develop current and next generation of leaders, increase effectiveness of individuals in sales and drive the organizational change that delivers results. Alexis has a passion for empowering women and helping them succeed and is a sought out voice trainer and a coach on the topics of women, leadership and helping clients attract, develop female talent. She has worked domestically and internationally across a variety of industries, including manufacturing, finance, and legal service, and not-for-profit. Alexis, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Today, we are going to talk about, we're going to have a conversation about leadership, women, and standing out. And I just want to begin by, uh, let's begin by, what does leadership mean to you? Leadership means that you are out there, not always in front, but you are out there empowering people and that you are influencing. I love the whole John Maxwell, leadership is all about influencing because that's really all it is. You're influencing behavior, you're influencing results, you're influencing everything having to do to make people perform and to help people get better and grow. And what was, what was your journey like into, into what you're doing now, you know, helping women and creating the next generation of leaders? How did that journey begin and how did you get to where you are now? Well, I've been in the working world for, you know, a long time. And when I started, I started back in the time where women went to the office, we emulated men. You know, we, you have the male persona, you, we dressed like men, we wore suits with bow ties and things like that. And I screw up in business world, being a lot of times the only woman in the room or the only woman sitting at the table, whether it was a leadership table or when I was a consulting internally or anything like that. I had a number of different roles in different type in different organizations. I, the first company I worked for, I was there for nine years. I was lucky to have a number of different roles. And then I moved around to a number of different organizations working internally before I went out on my own. When I found that those times when I was the only woman sitting at the table, I always thought that when I would be a woman, I would be somebody who would say, we would be talking about a topic, we would be having a discussion, and I would say, oh, we can go, you know, I would go always jump from A, the conversation, to D, which might be what the a solution might be. And I saw that a lot of times that they would be no, 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 no. There'd be more conversation. And eventually the group would get to D, which I had actually put out on the table, you know, 30 minutes before in terms of understanding, you know, possible solution. I always thought it was because I worked with a lot of engineers. A lot of the companies I worked internally for were engineers. And to me, engineers, a lot of times they think very logically. They think A, B, C, D, E type of a thing. I always thought I was jumping too fast. I never realized that a lot it might have been somewhat that, but it might have also been because I was a woman. Right. And so that really got me thinking as I thought more about it that, you know, I want to help people. I want to help women not have to go through that. And I want to help men understand what some of these unconscious biases and these behaviors are and how it impacts 
everybody in the room, not just the women. Sure. That's a very interesting point that you mentioned, you know, throughout my time as well, you know, been an IT consultant for, for 12 years. I came across kind of similar scenarios where we have hardly any females in the team or even, you know, even, and even more so, hardly any female leaders. And when, when someone did, you know, you did work for someone in that position, it just didn't feel that they get you, they understand you. Maybe perhaps, like you said, it's the way we have been programmed. But here's the key question for me. Why is it that not a lot of, you know, with certain professions, like, like being, it being IT and it being right. engineering in that there aren't any females and perhaps it comes from more from that, more from the choices of women kind of picking up those professions rather than it being a thing, uh, you know, a, a guy thing, if you like. I think it's a combination of both. I actually, I think you and I talked about this when we were, you know, getting to know each other. I actually started my career in STEM. I don't talk about it much because I got out of it fairly quickly. I didn't like it, not because of a gender difference or anything. I just didn't like being behind a computer programming every day. That just wasn't my thing. And then I got, I was able to go into training, technical training, the non-technical training. So I think when it comes, I remember when I started, there were a lot of women that were in the IT department. But what I did see is as, and it happens in not just IT, it happens in a lot of different industries that you might start out 50, 50, 30, 40 in terms of 30, 70 in terms of men and women. But the higher you go up into the organization, the promotions that happen tend to happen more for the men than the women. So I don't know if it's necessarily the, sometimes it is the choice women make. I, I absolutely agree. Just like it's the choice men make. But I think sometimes it's also the expectation is what does that, what does a leader in our industry look like? Right. And does the person embody whatever that is? And whether, whether it's in our industry or in our organization, you know, does that person male or female fit the mold? And what do you think, you know, a female leader brings to the table compared to a, a male leader? Well, I think, you know, I never like to talk in absolutes of anything because sure. I never like to say all men are one way or all women are a different way. But I think there are definitely differences in the skills that we bring. And I think what happens is the skills and the characteristics that women bring are not the norm. They're not kind of the, what does a leader look like? For instance, I think a lot of women are more collaborative and have more emotional intelligence, whereas a lot of men, their kind of dominant style is they're very fact-driven decision makers, very analytical, and they're kind of the driver and get things done. I think both of those have a place in leadership. It's just sometimes the journey of how you get to, for instance, how you get to a decision Women tend to bring in others into the decision-making process. They tend to ask a lot of questions, ask opinions of, of other people. So it's a slower process sometimes versus when a man is making a decision. And that is different. It's not better or worse, sure, but it's different and it's not the norm. So they tend to be more inclusive. I remember reading this uh, article piece some time ago. Are you familiar with uh, German Chancellor, uh, yes. Angela, Angela Merkel? Yeah. Angela um, so when, when she allowed one million refugees to enter the country, 
um, there was a lot of opposition and the opposition was primarily when they did the votes of, you know, why, why that decision is not the right decision was prim- primarily male and primarily, it wasn't even about other party within our own parties, primarily males that were more aggressive towards, you know, for right or wrong reason, who knows what will happen in the future. You know, whether that decision was right or not, that'll be, that'll be in the future. But for now, they were like, that's not the right thing to do, allowing that many people in one go. But her thinking was that the German population was getting older and mm-hmm. um, there wasn't that many young people. So allowing them, A, helps those people and B, they'll help grow the economy. And you don't have anyone else coming and you'll have journalists and, you know, within that country from journalists and people that are professional, they're most majorities is that kind of people that are coming in for better life. So that was a very interesting piece. And someone mentioned that if this was a male leader, that won't happen. So it seems, almost seems like women are a lot more compassionate leaders, whereas men. I know he has kind of his drawbacks and benefits, you know, on both sides. Do you think, in your opinion, from what you have seen, is that a good thing to have? Absolutely. And I think men, I think there's a lot of compassionate male leaders also. But think of the times we're in right now right? I mean, when somebody's listening to this in two years from now and they don't, you know, but we're in the whole COVID arena and compassion for your teams, being able to set the example to be able to help your teams feel safe right now, help your people through the emotional upheaval they're having, whether you're a male or you're a male leader or a woman leader, I think it's critical. You know, you were talking about this article about Chancellor I don't know if you've been reading the articles, and I'm not trying to get political here, yeah. but the articles about the female leaders of the countries and how their response to COVID is very different. And in some ways, they're making strides faster than some of the other countries. And part of it does have to do with maybe how they're bringing people into the decision-making process, the empathy they're showing. Showing empathy means people are going to follow you and believe you in a different way. So I, I do think all of that definitely has a place, and especially when we're in times of crisis like we are now. How do you, uh, do you, do you believe in leaders are born or leaders are made? Do you, which camp do you kind of sit in? <laughs> How about if I straddle the line there? Okay. I actually do believe there are some people who innately have these leadership qualities that they don't have to work very hard at it. But I also believe that there, but that you can, there are skills and there are things you can learn and you can learn to be a good leader. I actually wrote a blog post a couple months ago called Leadership is Simple but Not Easy. The mm-hmm. concepts of it are simple. And it came from, about from a conversation I was having from, with somebody who he was like, well, what do you do? And I was explaining, you know, and he was like, well, but being a leader is just being a leader. And I was like, yes, but there's degrees of how successful you are as, as a leader. And so so I do think there's things you can learn. And sometimes it's not necessarily learning a new skill, but it's learning that it's a skill that you can bring to the table as a leader, like we were just talking about empathy, like vulnerability. A lot of people have it, women tend to have it, and bringing it to the table in the right way is very powerful. Then then how do you develop, you know, when you you work with companies, organizations, and you develop their sales teams, and how do you, do you apply different kinds of principles to, you know, when you're um, perhaps working with male versus female or kind of their styles, how, how do you kind of differentiate and develop them? 
there's a couple different ways because there's a lot of different programs that I do. So some of the programs are just, you know, for every, they're everybody, they're for everybody, men and women go through them. You know, they're building what I call giving you tools for your toolbox as a leader. Sometimes it's maybe around communication or it might be around some different ways to think about developing your people. It might be around how do you help manage performance? How do you use coaching skills. Those are all tools that anybody can use as a leader. Then there's programs where we talk about what are some of the things that women bring that are different and deliver that program to both groups of women because it's delivered in an environment where it's safe, where it's safe to talk about what are we experiencing and how can we get through that and support each other through it but it's also delivering it to groups of men, usually separately, for them to actually understand and realize, oh, wow, because a lot of times it's really more, men just don't realize that certain behaviors or certain things that are done, how it impacts perception of women or any diverse person in the organization. And if they're aware of it, then they can actually take action to either stop it or move beyond it. So there are different ways. So some of it's more, some of it, like I said, is skill building tools and some of it is really more introspective to really kind of understand what some of those differences and nuances are. That's, that's very interesting. See, one of the challenges that I have always kind of seen almost always doesn't go the way that people plan it should. It's when, you know, you you become you become the move to the uh, position of leadership amongst your coworkers. Now you have been promoted yes. to become. That's one of the most difficult transitions you can make. There's all sorts of opinions and thoughts and judgments and you know anything and everything you say is taken the wrong way, taken it as you know it's order rather than a request or. Right. How do you kind of work with that and, and help those kind of uh, people? I think when it comes to those, and I've I've coached some individuals, and a lot of the times what I have found is when that happens, you've been the peer and then you're promoted. It's not everybody who pushes back. It's usually just a few people. And so the advice that I give and the coaching I give is to sit down and actually have some candid conversations and really start, I think the best thing a leader can do in any situation when they're talking one-on-one with somebody is ask questions and listen. So when it's the situation you're talking about, you, you know, I am now, I was your peer and I am now, you know, the head of the group leading the group, you know, sit down and talk with you and ask you, you know, how you're feeling about it and what are, what are you thinking about it? And what might the two of you, what might the two of us be able to do to work together and make it work? So bring the person into the solution versus just trying to ignore it or and hope it, ignore it and hope it goes away or just trying to say, you know, well, this is just kind of the way it is. If you bring them into the solution and they become your ally, then you're going to have a stronger team overall. Right. Okay. It's, it's just about being able to communicate what you're trying to achieve and trying to make them make it more inclusive. Exactly. Is there a, do you think leadership programs that are most organizations run, do you, do you think they work well? I mean, they have, most of them have a very traditional path of, it's more skill-based in the sense that more technical skills, skill-based. What I really mean by, by that is, 
you know, you're, you're chosen on the basis of you can do the job, technical job that you are doing. Right. You're good enough. You're popular enough. So let's promote this guy or girl. And more than, more often than not, what really tends to happen is that they're not very good with managing or leading a team. That's, that, that, that's something else that I've observed over my 12 years, you know, as a consultant working for different companies. So what's your experience has been like and how have you dealt with it? Oh, that, what you described totally happens. It happens all the time. It's, you're right. It's the, best man, it's the best person on the manufacturing line. They're really, really good at it. So they can lead the team. It's like, no, they might not be the best leader. They might be the best person to train the new people, but that doesn't necessarily mean they should be the leader of the group. And I think the, the thing that happens is a lot of organizations, they promote this person and they don't have the training for them and they don't send any, to any training because they just think, well, they'll get it because they've almost been a, they almost think they're a leader, you know, kind of a, they're looked up to because they can do, like you said, the technical work. So they think that makes them leaders. So what I tell organizations is you can't just promote somebody and not provide them the tools and not provide them some of the training so that they understand what their role looks like right now. You know, a lot of people sometimes get promoted and they think that that means they don't have to do anymore. They're no longer a doer. They're a, as you said before, they tell people, you know, they're a teller. And it's like, a good leader is not going to ask anybody to do something they wouldn't be willing to do themselves. They don't necessarily know how to do it. You know, sometimes there's things, people become leaders of groups that they don't know all the tech, technical aspects of it. And that's okay. And that's what you build a good team for. But yes, I mean, giving people the skills or even stepping back further in really not just promoting somebody happenstance, but really have a process to really understand does that person really a want to be the leader and b do they have the aptitude and skills and save yourself from that step of promoting the wrong person so there's there's two different ways to do it you can either start further back and really choose wisely who you promote into the leadership role or you can make sure that when they get into that role, they're given the skills and some of the initial skills and tools they're going to need to be successful. If, if, if I was to give you a scenario, maybe perhaps you have come across it or, or, or maybe you can, you know, give some suggestions on, on that or your opinion on that. If you have someone who is, you know, talented enough technically and, and they have, they, they're willing to take that next step to, you know, become the leader and, and do all of that. What kind of criteria would you give, you know, for, for a company to, to kind of, judge through or, or not sorry put them through to qualify them to say you know what we know he's got the he or she's got the technical skills but this is what we are going to make them do to kind of you can't do that on the basis of one interview that's that's just not possible to get it 100 percent right mm-hmm. but what can you do the same thing you can measure with technical test to gauge kind of where they are there might be a point here and there but what about in terms of kind of measuring leadership i know it's one of the most difficult things you you can do because a lot of things come into it but what would you suggest that someone, how, how someone does that? I would actually suggest they start before they want to promote the person. And here's what they can do. They can actually start to give them leadership roles, leader, maybe some ad hoc team or um, some other part, you know, maybe there's some, something going on, a small project within the, within the current team. Start giving them those roles to 
A, that will gauge, you, I mean, you, I think you said that assuming this person does want to take on the role, but gauging what they, you know, what it really is to be a leader, you know, how you manage a group, how you pull everybody together, how you, you know, set goals and things like that. So start before you actually promote them, give that, get them involved in, a, in leading some type of a team some type of a project so they can see what it's like. They know what they're getting into. And it gives you a chance to evaluate where they're strong and where they might need some coaching and some guidance when you do actually promote them into the role. That's, I think, one of the best ways that you can start to get somebody ready and start to evaluate them. In terms of, you know, what most organizations do to, quote unquote, evaluate leadership skills is they do some type of a multi-source feedback a 360, some type of a tool that way to get feedback from the, from the team of people that work for them along, along with peers and managers. And that can be a really good tool to use. Probably don't want to use it before somebody's actually promoted, but it is something because if you're an organization where people are going to be candid, it can give you a lot of information and it gives you a lot of focus for being able to coach the individual to be a better leader. Do you think a leader needs to kind of know the nitty gritty of the of the the work that their people their employees are doing i mean what i'm trying to get at is is that do they really have, let's take example of an it team so that there's a team leader they may have done the job before and technology moves fast you can't do the role of a manager to lead a team and at the same time kind of know everything you possibly can so do you really think they need to know the technical aspects of of the job as well or is it just pretty much allowing their team the freedom to kind of explore and, and deliver the results or so be more result focused and be more empowering rather than trying to know it all? I like your B. I like, <laughs> I like your B, the B, B empowering and be results focused. I, especially like you said, technology, it moves so quickly. So you're right. I mean, if, if I've been in a leadership role for five years, my technical skills are probably out the window. I would at this point in time. But what they do need to know, they need to be able to ask the right questions. They need to be able to provide the right support and get them the right tools and answers they need if, people, if the team or an individual is struggling. So they need to do, be adept enough to be able to do that. So they don't necessarily have to be able to get in there and code with, with whatever the new language is of the day. But they do need to be able to understand the process, understand where to ask questions, understand where there might be pitfalls, where there might be challenges, and, and really kind of get being able to ask the questions so people feel safe to be able to say, yeah, this is where I need help. This is where I'm struggling. And then provide, this, provide the help, provide the tools. That's where, um, you know, a lot of the times I hear things like, you know, the management does not understand where we are coming from, the foot soldiers, where they're coming from. For example, it's a I personally believe it's a two-way sword, not knowing you have to have a certain amount of knowledge of what's going on, simply because the foot soldiers might turn around and say, and I've seen this in so many organizations, is we are telling them that this takes X amount of time and you know, it, doesn't, it look, may look simple, but it's not as simple. It involves X amount of people, whereas the management wants results delivered without understanding why it takes that long. So how do you kind of bridge that gap and people, and that could apply to any industry, right? Manufacturing right. and, you know, could, could be anything. How do you kind of bridge that gap where now the, the communication gap is, and as, as higher up you go, 
on in the chain of leadership, that gap becomes bigger and bigger. How do you kind of communicate from kind of both ways to to you? So you're talking the same language. You use the, you use the key word. It's all about communication. You know, and I said before, I think a good leader asks questions. And if you've built the environment with your team that you can ask the questions and you know you're going to get truthful responses, then it, it's your job to me. It's your job as a leader. So let's use your example of, you know, management, you know, three levels up thinks that whatever needs to be developed is going to take X amount of time. It's going to take three months, let's say. And so you get the directive, you know, we want your team to do this in three months. You go to your team and you talk, talk about it. You ask questions, you all strategize around it. And you come to the conclusion that no, it's not going to take three months. It's going to take six months. As a leader, then you have to be bold enough to be able to go back and to, with your data and with your reasoning, go back to the three levels up manager leadership and say, hey, I know you want it in three months. Here's why it's not going to happen. Here are the risks if we try and do it. You know, so you need to be able to present the business case. And the best way to get the business case is working with your team to understand what's going on. So asking the questions, listening, listening is the big thing. Asking questions isn't enough if you're not going to listen to the answers and then build the response together. But that has to do with that's more than just as a leader. That also has to do with what's the culture of the which the culture of the organization you're working in. You know, will they accept something like that? So there's a lot more that goes into this than just your leadership skills. Sure. Yeah, that 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 really helps. But then his his kind of these are kind of related, and 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 a lot of the times, you know, it's it's very difficult. One of the most difficult things you can you can do as a leader. Um, and or as an employee as well, is, is having that difficult conversation, whether you as an employee asking for a pay rise or, you know, you as a leader letting someone go. And especially at these times, right, we are, people right. are going to be, you know, let go. Um, and there aren't many opportunities right now. People are, you know, have freezing their, their recruitment. And there's all sorts of those kind of issues. What's, what's your take on, you know, having a difficult conversation? And, and especially from an employee perspective, you always want to make sure if you're asking for a pay rise or move department, you always want to make sure that, you know, that's what I would normally look for is they're in a good mood and I can cash them somewhere or they're casual. I don't want to get them when they're in the, you know, uh, in a bad mood or they're too busy. And, uh, you know, you always have to do that. And from the leader's perspective, I have seen that it can, it can go badly wrong. A lot of people are not trained on having a difficult conversation. A recent experience of mine has been I had a team of VAs, a couple of VAs. And um, they weren't living up to the, the, the standard I, I thought they will be. And it kind of took me a couple of weeks to kind of get into the, the groove of, you know, having that conversation. I'm saying, sorry, it's, it's not working out. And, and, I was, and in my head, I was playing the scenario. And I thought, you know, at the beginning, they were good. They were doing basic jobs and they were good. And I thought, okay, now great. I can give them a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. And I was finding it very difficult to have that conversation with them. And then I thought, look, I'm running a business. It's not a charity. And, and secondly, you know, if someone's not doing a job, should they be getting paid, right? We are all getting paid for providing value. And if someone's not providing right. value, and they need to understand that. And most people in the mindset of an employee would question it. You know, they go, well, I've worked X amount of years or I've done this for you and I'm not. How do you kind of deal with that kind of stuff? And finally, just, just to kind of finish on that off, I did have that difficult conversation. I did and how have did a it go? 
they did obviously plead a little bit, you know, of saying, you know, is it me? Did I, or is it because I took so much time on that day of doing that? And, and I said, no, it's, it's not, that's not the issue. And as long as you, you, you obviously let me know this is the challenges and, you know, that's why I took a little bit more time. That's fine. My challenge is the quality is not there. And, you know, I, I don't think I'm looking for this kind of person. And, and I said, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to recommend you to someone else who wants what I think you're good at. I can recommend you for that. And the person was clearly a little bit upset. And then they were, okay, thank you. And then we parted ways. And I said, you know, if I can, I will recommend you, but for the things that you're good, good with. Uh, and I'll, I'll happy to, happily do that. And, and, and that was that. So, yeah, I don't know why I was waiting two weeks for, for to do that. And I'm sure people that have much bigger teams and a lot more responsibility and have millions on, you know, big decisions to make financially. How much tougher would that be for them? What's, what's your kind of take on it? How would you work with that? Well, I, th- I think, first of all, you did, it sounds like you did something really well, which is you kind of thought about it and you planned. I mean, sometimes I think some of the worst things you can do, unless it's an immediate need, is to have a tough conversation without thinking it through and planning what you're going to say, because you always want to start by thinking about how is the person going to react? How are they going to feel at the end of the conversation? There's something from a feedback standpoint, I always talk with clients about and I train on that you can do kind of a model of what was the situation? What happened in the situation? Not, and what was the result? And that can be used as positive or negative feedback. Sure. So when you talk about the situation, the, the actions and the results, you're not talking about the individual's personality. You're not talking about any of those types of things. You're talking about what they did or what did or didn't happen based on what was done or not done. And what, what, how did it impact our clients? How did it impact our department or our, or our team? So that's kind of a good tool and a rubric that you can use for having, you know, giving some tough feedback because it takes kind of the emotion out of it. But I also go back to what we were talking about, you know, in terms of, you know, vulnerability, empathetic leaders or anything like that. If you really think through how you want, if, if somebody was talking with you and giving you the same news, how would you want to feel? That's going to help you frame how you have the conversation yeah. and how you talk about it. So yeah, it's not easy. And in these times, you know, like you said, I mean, with people losing jobs and everything, but I have been reading articles and been reading posts about people. It's like, you know, that the manager is in there crying with the person because they didn't want to let them go. But the circumstances of today, they had to. So it's that vulnerability and empathy too. Sure. Okay. I remember um, my first ever manager, amazing guy. He, He really, I told him what my goals were. And uh, I said, look, this is what I want to achieve in the next couple of years. And I was at level one. I want to get to level two. I don't know what he did, but you couldn't let him down. That's, that's how I felt. Like if he asked something to be, to be done, I would do it. If, I, if it means staying three, four, five hours later, if it means, you know, working on two projects at the same time mm-hmm. or, you know, it was something about that. And then. And, you know, people used to come up to him. We had other, you know, leaders and managers and, you know, around. some of them were very good and, you know, easy to work with. But there was something about this person, this manager, and everybody would come up to him and ask him questions like, you know, did you do a course? What, what, what is it about you that people really want to... And within, when I joined the company, I remember within the space of 
after I think was it one year and six months um, and he was into the job about three years he was promoted and then six months after that promoted again and then promoted again so my question is how do you stand out there's a lot of leaders you know you know you, you have some of your natural skills if you like you have some skills you can learn right how do you really stand out well I think you know I go let's go back to you know your leader I could be wrong I suspect that he saw you as a whole person versus somebody as just that came into work every day. Absolutely. Yeah. Did he ask you about, you know, how are things going? How was your weekend? Did he get somewhat personal? Absolutely. Yeah. It was personal conversations in the meeting and, you know, you could talk to, you felt like you could, you could tell him anything, you know, personal life or work related or, you know, something you don't like or something, whatever that might be. You, I, I felt I could communicate and ask him that. And you trust and you, and asking, getting to know the person, let, let's face it. And today we're all doing, you know, online meetings, whether you're using zoom or whatever tool you're using, we're getting to really see the whole person because we're seeing their home life. We're seeing, yeah. you know, where they're working. We're seeing the walls, the, the, the thing art on the walls. We're seeing the animals, the children, you know, we are whole people. And I think the leaders that you want to follow like that, they recognize that. They acknowledge that. They ask about you. They ask about not just what's going on at work, but what's going on with you outside of work. And they get to know you in that way. I think that is one way to stand out. I think there's a lot of things you can do is if you're aspiring to get into leadership to stand out. And that's, oops, excuse me, my little helper is about ready to come onto our screen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, you can, that you can aspire to, to do, you know, to letting people know that the great things you're doing and getting to know all the people that you work with and work around and things like that. I actually, when I talk, especially in groups of women, I talk about ways to stand out without bragging because as women, we're not good as good about uh, talking about ourselves. And as we say in the U.S., tooting our own horns. But there's things we can do to let people know we've been doing great work, whether it's forwarding, you know, client thank yous and doing summaries of work you've done or volunteering to do things, being engaged in every meeting you're in, running meetings, all of those things, more people get to know you and, you know, you build kind of the, the visibility across, down and up. Sure. Awesome. And we are now coming towards the end of the show. What advice would you give to someone who wants to be uh, move up in a position of leadership or wants to become a leader? My advice to everybody, men and women, is find mentors. Mentors can do so much for you. They are this person that you can, first of all, and you probably want to have multiple mentors. There might be a mentor that you look at, you know, this, this first manager you had that you would have done anything for. You probably also want to emulate how he led. So you can observe things in mentors, but you can have conversations that can give you guidance. So whatever you do, find mentors, find different people that can guide you, give you advice, and give you feedback if you, if you really want it, because they're going to do so much for you and for your career. Awesome. And what's the best way for people to connect with you and ask you questions or, um, yeah, want to connect with you on social media? I'm most active on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn under Alexis Gladstone. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one there. 
Um, and in my, in my website, you can also, you know, if you want to see more, a little bit more about me, my website is intelead.com. That's I-N-T-E-L-E-A-D.com. So those are probably the two best ways. Awesome. Any, any final words before we go? No, but I've loved this conversation on leadership. I'd love to continue it at some point because I think you and I have a lot to talk about. So thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming. My pleasure. I hope you got some great value and insights from this episode. And if you're someone who wants to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur, then I have some great free resources for you. If you visit www.jazbearaurora.com, that's www.jazbearaurora.com, and drop me a line, I will send you an ebook and also a one-hour masterclass. And also, um, go and take the Escape the 95 survey, uh, which will help you understand where you are right now um, and where the gaps are in your knowledge to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur. And if you're a business and you need help growing or if you have any uh, issues that you'd like to discuss, then yeah, once again, visit the website and I'll be more than happy to help you. Thank you for listening.